0: Spotted, lonely boy. Can't believe the love of his life has returned. If only she knew who he was.
1: So I actually have a question about that exact moment. Uh-huh. And my question is, is does gossip girls readership do they know who lonely boy is
2: right well who yeah i so my thing about that is is he he's talking about we just need to get it off the table right away as we spoiler alert (laughs) spoiler alert dan as as we and pierre caldo from emily in paris were surprised (laughs) about Dan is Gossip Girl.
1: So he's speaking about himself, but he's speaking himself about himself as Lonely Boy. And if he is writing this Gossip Girl post, and I presume it's one of the first, if not the first, based on the fact that Serena came back and the whole reason for him try- to try to do this is to get into this in-crowd then he's basically coming out to the world as somebody who has a gigantic crush on Serena. Unless Lonely Boy was sort of a, you know, blind item of some kind and yes. he's actually not trying to reveal. Anything. So
2: I think it was blind item but that actually was a great point. Was Gossip Girl around before Serena came back?
1: And I would have to, to have guess been yes. No, because I but don't people
2: are like, oh, my God, did you see what's on Gossip Girl? And I think we would have seen the establishment of it.
1: Well, the question is, what was his acquisition strategy? How did he get all those eyeballs? <laughs> was he was he, uh, you know, doing like SEO? And there's there was very little social media back then. So he couldn't have the viral dissemination. So if we were to go right. by maybe like Perez Hilton rules or something that, you know was sort of more of a success at that point
2: right because i was thinking too something i thought about throughout the entire episode was do you go to gossipgirl.com and constantly refresh it or are people getting push notifications well we know that throughout the show
1: that they're getting they're like their 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 phones will like beep and light up so they're getting push notifications
2: on their shitty They're phone? getting
1: texts. They're getting SMS. And like SMS is coming back now. And so they were actually ahead of their time. What was old was now new again. And so that was how they Wait, were.
2: Wait, getting... SMS is coming back now? Well, in a sense
1: of an acquisition strategy. This is getting too far into <gasps> us trying to analyze how
2: gossip girls no! get paid this... and visits. <laughs> I just am curious. I truly wrote down like, are people, so people are constantly getting push notifications and, and turning like opening up Gossip Girl or opening up the messages that have these blind items. But sometimes we're using initials and sometimes we're using like screen names. And I, I don't think it's inappropriate for me to ask, how did he build such scale? <laughs> and it had to have been going on before. So now we're looking at Dan or yeah, Dan is like running this blog for years before because i think it i think gossip girl has been around since long before the pilot because people are so comfortable with saying did you see what's on gossip girl well,
1: not i like, love
2: hey, how this weird new website
1: i love how the whole point of this podcast is to talk about the first episode and now we've taken several minutes to talk about the very end of <laughs> of the
2: whole entire series where we're revisiting knowing what we know there's some questions. There are some questions. Well, we'll probably get into them, and I
1: guess we should probably introduce ourselves to start things off.
2: Welcome to TV Watch Repeat, a podcast brought to you by The Dip. We are two TV lovers who are set to revisit some of the most iconic, memorable, and fashionable TV pilots of all times. I'm Allison, and I am a co-founder of The Dip, and I am joined by Kate.
1: Hello, I am also co-founder of
2: The Dip. And today we are talking about the 2007 pilot of Gossip Girl.
1: This show itself had become basically the topic of a lot of drama itself just by the virtue of existing, which I always found to be very apt considering the whole show is about gossip and the whole show is about, you know, but like who's who's doing what, who's doing who and all those types of things. And and it actually became uh, the secret of of the show's success was the behind the scenes.
2: So it premiered in 2007, Mm -hmm. fall 2007. Do you know what blew my mind is I was looking at what else was out then and I was shocked to find out that the Big Bang Theory premiered just a few days after Gossip Girl. No. Yes. Yes. Like I I don't remember the exact date, September something for Gossip Girl. And just the next week was Big Bang Theory. That is insane. I know because they, I mean, they're I, in two
1: completely different universes too. I have
2: made my thoughts known about the big bang theory and I will if for the sake of if and when we do the big bang theory on this podcast I will withhold them for this. Um but I will just say like there's no reason the gossip girl shouldn't have been still on air or just just recently ended it's with the stars even... making a million dollars an episode. <laughs>
1: It just doesn't even exist in the same universe. It's hard to believe that it could be the same year.
2: Yeah. I mean, if anything grounded this show in in the year that it came out, it was the technology. Well, the show itself was
1: supposed to be something completely different. To start, it was actually going to be a movie starring Lindsay Lohan. I don't know if you saw that. That would be written by Amy Sherman Palladino. Yes. Yes.
2: The Amy Sherman Palladino of it is – can you imagine if
1: this was done by Amy it would be it would no. be a completely different series would it would it have been as good would it have been I mean there's something about you know Amy's whole type is sort of like self-deprecating and funny and and very charming but this kind of exists in this world where these um you know yeah. uh, teenagers are almost untouchable and that's right.
2: exactly opposite of Amy's brand but I don't know. What do you think? I don't think it would have worked. And I also don't think it would have worked with Lindsay Lohan. Like the pairing of Amy Sherman Palladino and Lindsay Lohan is, is fascinating to me because they don't, they don't make sense in my mind. Like
1: even after Tina Fey and, and Lindsay Lohan and Mean Girls, you don't think that she could adapt to a more Amy style.
2: Um, no, I really don't. I just don't think it would. I don't think it would have worked. And I'm grateful that we didn't get that. And I'm very happy to have like Amy on the projects that she's on. I don't think this was the project for her. So I think it worked out. Like I loved good. It I loved Bunheads, Justice for Bunheads. This wasn't it. <laughs>
1: Cecily Z. Gaser uh, was the author of the, of the series, and it was adapted by Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage, who were better known as the um, creators of The O.C. at this time. So they had this huge success at The O.C., needed to do something to follow it up. And they really liked the idea of doing something in uh, New York. And uh, Josh Schwartz had told, uh, in Vanity Fair, did this great ten-year anniversary, which anyone should read if they really want to dig uh, into the series. But um, you know, he talked about how. They wanted to kind of replicate the early years of the WB at CW. So they wanted to bring in, you know, something that felt like Dawson's Creek, Felicity, Buffy, and kind of recreate this whole new brand, which they kind of succeeded in doing. And so people talked about how, you know, that Gossip Girl ended up being sort of the house of cards for CW in terms of, you know, House of Cards really changed Netflix and the trajectory of what that became. And after Gossip Girl, of course, we had, you know, Everything leading up to even like Riverdale today, it, it, that has a DNA of Gossip Girl in it. Um, so you know the, the the genesis of this might have been The OC, but it came became something completely different.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can see it's like the OC is the West Coast, this is the East Coast, but it's at, it is at its core very very similar. Um, I had a lot of fun with this one though. Like this was one where I, once the pilot was over, I actually kept watching and needed to like put a, like an X in my notes so I wouldn't bring stuff up past the first episode. But I now am like, wow, am I about to dive into a full rewatch of Gossip Girl?
1: Well, I just did that recently, about a couple months ago. Um, I think maybe it was at the beginning of quarantine when I was going through it. And I do highly recommend it. When and
2: you were going through it. <laughs> when I was going through We just, were all going through it. We were all it. going through it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it is a really fun rewatch. And I, I don't mean, think it that the, great. I don't think the pilot really exudes the the joy and sense of humor that the show actually ends up happening. I do think it becomes a little bit more OC-ish as it goes mm-hmm. on. Um, the pilot itself is just very much obsessed with, look at these teens doing bad things, they're doing drugs, they're having sex, they're, you know, wearing ascots. So <laughs> it's very, it's, it's it does evolve as it goes on. But, you know, it wouldn't be the way it was without the cast itself. And some of the more interesting stories that I saw from the behind the scenes involved the cast, like the fact that, the fans actually chose Blake Lively as Serena. So all the message boards for the book, back when there were message boards, uh, that they thought Blake Lively was the only person that could play uh, Serena Vanderwoodsen after she had appeared in Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. So they kind of had to go get her. She actually wanted to go to college, but they said, just come on for the first season. You can go to Columbia once a week. And then after that, you'll after one season, you'll be able to go full-time. And that obviously didn't quite happen. So Blake Lively was going to quit acting. Pen Badgley was going to quit acting. Also, he had a string of unsuccessful TV series, and he just didn't have his heart in it again. And he didn't have
2: his heart throughout the rest of the series either. So <laughs> he stayed consistent. For some reason, Blake in Gossip Girl feels so iconic to me. And so when I find out that she's only 33, I'm like, put... Put, you know, call it quits. You've done everything you need to do. <laughs> well, well, she we... also
1: understood her roots too. Cause she talks about Gossip Girl all the time right now. Whereas not all cast members look back as fondly about it. Yeah. So, yeah, so she, she will like, you know, speak about how it made her career, how it made such a big difference and everything and made it so that she stayed in Hollywood. You know, Penn Badgley barely talks about it anymore. You know, he never really respected the show um and then you know ed westwick told vanity fair that he didn't even know who gossip girl was at this point so
2: he didn't even get to the end of the show (laughs) wait he said he didn't know who gossip girl was uh
1: yeah i i believe her his uh his full quote was uh i am still not sure who gossip girl was
2: lol (laughs) lol that is lol i i want to get into chuck i and we can get into chuck when the time feels right but like, wow. I, there's, so I know you said that you don't feel like the sh- the pilot necessarily, like, represented what the full series became. Bec- and the reason I think that is is because there were so many things that happened in the pilot that the arcs of the characters that they – and, I mean, Chuck being, I would say, probably the biggest one throughout the series. It's, it's truly shocking how much of, like, a ch- shift they gave him. I mean, the first episode, he
1: basically – tries to rape Serena. Multiple people. And then tries
2: to rape (laughs) Jenny.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And unsuccessfully on both accounts, but he then becomes the most beloved character that everybody roots for, that everybody feels bad for because of his daddy issues and like everyone wants him with Blair. And I will say, in a rewatch, in a streaming capacity, Mm -hmm. it is kind of hard. And the whole time watching it, even to the very end, I felt why am I trying to root for this guy to get anything good happening to him versus uh-huh. I'm sure if it was a week to week thing, when you start to kind of forget what happened, at time, day, yeah, at that time heals that wound. And so I do wonder with a series, can you truly forget what a, a character does at, at the, if they're that poorly behaved, can they actually be, you know, can, can they, can they
2: become a better person and we'd be okay with it? I mean, Lauren Conrad said it best. I can forgive, but I cannot forget. Can't forget, forget.
1: and I could not forget.
2: But also, you know that
1: the CW was apparently worried about Ed Westwick because they thought that he looked like a serial killer.
2: He did, and he, he, he. You can't wear that many layers and have your hair swooped the way he did and not look like a serial killer.
1: They wanted him so badly that the network said, you know create some backups just in case his visa issue his visas don't go through and they just refuse to i wanted that
2: serial killer energy (laughs) i i i mean it makes sense though because in the beginning he is a predator i mean beyond just like the fact that he was trying to rape people he like is lurking he just like lurks he has an energy that feels Like the Jaws theme song should be playing at all times when he's on camera, even when he's on the public bus, on the Crosstown bus with Nate.
0: Serena looked effing hot last night. There's something wrong with that level of perfection. It needs to be violated. You are deeply disturbed, and yet you know I'm right.
2: But I just, I I can't imagine anybody else in the role. I know, like, a lot of, like, I feel celebrities, like, their best fun fact. Like, if we were doing an icebreaker round with, like, some of Hollywood's biggest celebrities between the ages of 30 and 38, a lot of them would say, I auditioned for, and, like, insert character and f- when it comes to Chuck like I really cannot imagine somebody else I mean I think Nate is a throwaway character I think he could be anybody well I, he yeah.
1: he was very central in the pilot and he definitely he becomes a secondary role as time he goes was on. central
2: or his part was central like his, his part literal was central his, oh this part his part was <laughs> his hair part
1: <laughs> yeah Where he no, parted that is his hair true
2: yeah um I know, I, I was uh I I I had a I was shocked rewatching it because I knew at the end of this series how much I loved Chuck. Like I loved his character. I was totally the person like rooting for him and Blair like all the time. In the pilot it was hard to get behind. But I actually if we can just pull it back a bit, because I, I know we played at the beginning the clip of of gossip girl talking about Dan spotting Serena. The reason I wanted to play that though is not because it's Dan talking about Dan, but it's so, and Jenny brings it up multiple times throughout the pilot, he is so in love with her. And they've only interacted once in their entire life.
1: So. I would say that it is very anti Dan to be that way considering yes. you think that he would feel more depth, but that said, it is also very Dan to feel that way because then, you know, as the series progresses, he clearly just imprints what he wants Serena to be. So he sees Serena, he falls in love with her. He basically creates a whole identity for her. And while they're dating, you know, kind of puts those expectations on her mm-hmm. and, um, very unfairly and and very horribly, and just it's very toxic. And it's, it is kind of mirroring what he does as Gossip Girl, where he's sort of in charge of that whole narrative. So he is creating her identity through that narrative. And then when they're actually dating, he does that in real life as well. So he is very much, you know, your Brooklyn writer dude who just is kind of you know, thinks that he is the most enlightened person. So, you know, I think it does sort of track that Dan becomes the ultimate villain of the series, even though they don't (laughs) treat him like one, because he is just an asshole.
2: Did you have a tough time watching him? So this is like, I have not revisited Gossip Girl since watching you. So for me, all I can see, and I know like when you came out, there's so many comparisons. All I could see though is him as joe goldberg
1: <laughs> well i always thought he was a stalker on the show though that never, yeah like i i always found him creepy and horrible and gross and you know all the things
2: so if you were this age like at the time of like the airing what i I wrote i wanted to ask you this what kind of cell phone did you have 2007 i probably well two 2000- thousand when did the iPhone come out? June 2007. So that was something that I actually felt like was a huge, like, obviously they produced this especially In, it being a pilot early like 2007
1: or late long before. Yeah.
2: So the iPhone hadn't come out because I think all of these kids, if they are so wealthy and they are so privileged, they would probably have this new thing that everybody wants, oh, for sure. but they didn't. They had like the LG chocolate, which I swear to God is like such a throwback from watching gossip girl when it was airing, because that, um, My Moon, My Man song would always play as like the chocolate would like slide out of like a silky case.
0: Three delicious flavors, even more music. The new chocolate by LG is sweeter than ever, only from Verizon.
1: I haven't, I haven't thought about this in 13 years. And then now that you said LG chocolate, it just like all has come like filtering back in my brain. It's crazy.
2: The LG chocolate. And then there were a lot of sidekicks and I had a sidekick.
1: I did not have a sidekick. I had a uh, Samsung flip phone um, with like a replaceable cover. So you mm-hmm. can buy like a fancy cover. Oh my That's God. I totally I forgot before that before phone
2: that. covers were a thing.
1: Yeah. And ringtones. Like I, I, I purchased ringtones. I, I remember cashmere by Led Zeppelin was my ringtone. Um, and which I knew from just the end of the matrix. That's, that, I, didn't, I didn't know it as Led Zeppelin. It was just that song from the end of the matrix and Britney Spears' boys called whenever a boy would call my phone. <laughs> you programmed it? Yeah, you could program it for every every person.
2: Oh, that's incredible. I, I leaned really hard into my sidekick. Like, it was such a tick for me to just flip it open every, like, even when I was just bored and I would collapse it. I thought I was so cool. Um, and I would argue I probably was because everyone wanted a sidekick at that time. <laughs> I think it was a juicy couture sidekick. So that really cements me with where I was in life.
1: Oh my gosh, you couldn't get more 2006.
2: So I wanted to touch on the plot holes that I think came up in the pilot. Um, The first being in that opening moment when Gossip Girl says that Melanie 91 spotted Serena at Grand
0: Central. One of my many sources, Melanie 91, sends us this. Spotted at Grand Central, bags in hand, Serena Vanderwoodson. Was it only a year ago our it girl mysteriously disappeared for, quote, boarding school? And just as suddenly, she's back. Don't believe me? See for yourselves. Lucky for us, Melanie 91 sent proof. Thanks for the photo, Mel.
2: And I thought it was weird, and I ended up looking it up, and I've, I found a Reddit thread where people were talking about how the whole point of Gossip Girl, and, and as it got, you know, more and more into the show, it was all about anonymity and and not revealing sources. And within the first moments of the show, Melanie 91 is on blast. Mm. Well.
1: But is Melanie 91, a, an, like also it's a screen name. So it's not necessarily, you can't connect it to the person.
2: I mean, I'm assuming her name is Melanie and she was born in 1991. I can, I could find her childhood address within five minutes on Zillow.
1: I mean, but that could be somebody sabotaging it. So, I mean, I I don't think it's, I don't think it's totally a, a, you know, It would totally tank Gossip Girl's career to have, uh, you know, (laughs) revealed her sources. But, you know, I do think that you do have a point that 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 would seem to be something that she would not want to do.
2: There's one big thing, though, in the pilot that it shocked me because I didn't remember it. And that was the fact that Blair has a completely different mom. Yes. So
1: I had no idea. So originally they cast Florencia Lozano and uh, she was deemed uh, to look too young. So I think they only had like a, like a 15, about a 15 year age difference So they decided to hire Margaret Collin as her mom to replace her.
2: And her mom was so iconic to me. So when I was rewatching the pilot, I was like, who is this child (laughs) with Blair Yeah.
1: She, and she does look very young. I think they did a good job of, they, they do, they, the two actresses look a little similar, but it definitely felt, you know, very jarring, but I I could see
2: Florencia getting older to look like Margaret. But yeah, but like, uh, that's one of those like small
1: differences versus like Chuck, which, which felt like such a, such a huge departure which you Mm -hmm. know by the way like I do love that like they tried to mimic the exact like welcome to the OC bitch moment by having uh Dan punch Chuck but it doesn't quite work like it it, it, it didn't it didn't really track for me and at that point I actually thought why didn't they try to actually make Chuck Gossip Girl because he said in that moment like don't forget I know everything
2: Don't you ever touch her again! Hey, your life is over,
1: Slut. Don't forget, I know everything! Which I don't know what that means and why he would just say that.
2: I think he meant that towards Serena. Doesn't he know about, like, what happened when she was away at boarding school? Oh yeah, she school? does.
1: Yeah, she does know, but it's basically been revealed to. Oh, not like not the full story, but she right. Knows about, he knows about Nate, and it's been revealed at that point. But yeah, like that seemed like a moment where it was. I thought, oh yeah, it, he's he's a little bitchy, just like Gossip Girl. He has like the same <laughs> sense of humor as Gossip Girl. Like he talks openly about how it's not in their, you know in their lifetime to be happy they, they'll be rich but they won't be happy like it actually seems to be a really clear uh thing that he would do to become gossip girl
2: it could not be more clear in hindsight that it was dan because gossip girl literally says who am i and it cuts to dan <laughs> on they his computer
1: the whole way so they originally planned it to be eric at first but or nate And I think they were really into the whole Eric idea, but then uh, the series got so popular that they became a subject of Russian hacking. (laughs) And so they basically found that out via hacking and they had to change the entire plot. But also what I thought was uh, a little tidbit that I never heard before was Connor Paolo, the the actor who played Eric, was invited to become a, a series regular, but said no.
2: Yes, I remember that.
1: said he is very happy with the position on the show and he has no interest in changing it. So I wonder that's just, but that, that, that part of like behind the scenes "hmm hmmness was never explored in the way that like Blake Lively and Leighton Meester aren't friends and they're not getting along and all of that.
2: Mm -hmm. I, um, I think that in hindsight, Dan, it's a happy accident because I know that they've spoken a lot about how they they didn't know who it was going to be but it is it works really well from the into the pilot of the moments of like that cutting to dan when gossip girl asks who am i like you could easily have just been like no see like these are the hints that we planted the easter eggs that we planted all along but I think I don't a, think it would
1: have been better as Ed. I mean, as Chuck, I think he would have been a better gossip girl.
2: I didn't know about the Nate, and I actually would have loved Nate. I think the problem is is he was Dan, too dumb. He is too dumb. The problem with Dan is when you have an out, it it it's obviously an outsider, you know. So. It would have been really cool to have it be somebody who is on the inside and even though dan does get to be fully embedded in this world throughout the series like he is always an outsider and it's we're always reminded of it always
1: that Um, that always bothered me throughout the series too because he always talks about how like or at the end you know he needed to get in he wanted to get on the inside and all of that But like, he's in, you know, like he's in very quickly. He should have just abandoned Gossip Girl. I mean, I guess he does sort of eventually, but it doesn't make sense why he would continue to do it. But there's a little tidbit that I do love before we get off of Chuck too much. And that's that Ed Westwick told Details that he actually was channeling a iconic 90s character. Do you know who it was?
2: Um... And I, I could give you
1: like, I could give you like a hundred guesses and I guarantee you would not choose this person.
2: Really? hmm Then no, I can't. <laughs> Carlton Banks. I read that. I read that. Well, then that. you should have been able to guess that. I, I wasn't thinking that way though. I, I, I don't know what I was thinking, but yes, I saw that and I, I, I I'll be honest. I didn't pick up on it. <laughs>
1: When I think about it, I can see what he's meaning in that, you know, Carlton very much embraced his wealth mm-hmm. and his position as, you know, a, a person of power in a way because of that wealth. And so that makes sense. But, you know, we don't see Ed dancing
2: at any point, unfortunately. So. I wish we would. I wish. Um, Can we talk about the parents, though? I know we t- touched on Blair's mom, but I... I love Kelly Rutherford so much, like, and she is the perfect casting in this show. When she shows up in any scene, I just am automatically, like, they nailed it.
0: I was just about to ask the doctor if I can take Eric to breakfast. Want to come? Um, no. I think what I'll do is go get him a croissant down the street.
2: She is the perfect Upper East Side mom who you still really, really like, and – know that she loves her kids, but she's just like influenced by this culture that she's, you know, kind of been taken over by.
1: And I was struck by their meeting, her her and Rufus meeting up again.
0: Oh, I get it. You hear about Allison use your daughter as an excuse to start something.
2: Yeah. (laughs) In your dreams.
0: Well, you are in my dreams, Lily. And one in particular recurs, it involves finding you in the back of a nine inch nails bus with your shoes and your earrings and Trent Reznor. Oh, that happened. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no need to rehash details of decades past so i moved on yeah from Trent to, Lane to perry till you switched up rock stars for billionaires you think you're so cute washed up band crappy so-called art gallery well not all of us have settlements from multiple divorces to sustain us
1: And they're so genial throughout the entire series that that first meeting being so caustic really honestly surprised me, even though I just watched it recently. And and it almost, it, it, it like hurt me a little bit because I do love them as a, I love them as a couple. I loved them as friends. I'm very upset they didn't end up together in the end. I felt like that, that was a huge miss. Like mm-hmm. I would prefer them together and Dan and Serena not together. So, um, so seeing them like fighting with each other in the pilot felt like, like, why, why are you doing this? Stop the mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Also, I loved um, like her every outfit she had on, even the one in the art gallery when she does meet with Rufus is just perfect. Like she just looks so good in every single scene. And I think that must be like a sign of me just getting older that I'm like admiring her like nice, (laughs) her nice like blazers and, and capes and kind of like rolling my eyes at like Serena's vest, which like the amount of vests that were in this pilot.
1: Well, how do you feel about Rufus's deep V?
2: I have written in my in my notes, Rufus has the world's lowest and widest neckline and a necklace Bronwyn's husband on The Real Housewives of O.C. would be envious of. <laughs> he has a choker on.
1: Well, he and his band, which they referenced throughout the entire pilot, as like a has been 90s band. So there are three uh, original members of Black Eyed Peas that became um, Lincoln Hawk. And they had to write all the music to like in a 90s-esque way. And one of the bands they tried to model itself off was Goo Goo Dolls. So that, that mm. tells you what the inspiration is supposed to be. Although Goo Goo Dolls is still very successful. Yeah. And actually, they like have a pretty good touring career. So um, it's not totally on the n- nailing it, but... Um, Are you a stan? No. I, oh. Actually, Goo Goo, Goo Goo Dolls was the... One band that I did not love in the '90s, which was Bad News Bears, for me because I also <laughs> really wanted to love the Cities of An- City of Angels soundtrack, and they are all
2: over that. So I oh had to my god, skip those I just love how all of your music references are based on movie soundtracks. <laughs> yeah, pretty the much Matrix song. <laughs> um, there were also a lot of skinny scarves in the pilot. Everyone oh, had skinny scarf, a para. skinny scarf. I mean, I I wore a lot of skinny scarves, but. Just like, you know, just for an accessory, why not? Like, it doesn't keep you warm at all, but. Well, I mean, it was huge for fashion, Gossip Girl, obviously. Like, in the same way that Sex and the City
1: was big with fashion, not in the the, the exact same way. Obviously, Sex and the City was a little bit more iconic, but Gossip Girl was definitely a huge uh, a huge fashion influencer. So, you know, of course, like, there are things where after an episode aired, you know, everything would sell out. People would get calls about who wore, like, what is this dress? You know, where mm-hmm. it come from? Um, but what I thought was a little bit different and surprising is that it actually really influenced menswear. So the costume designer who designed all the men said that, you know, he got pissed off that before that all men were kind of dressing like Jersey shore era, you know, like t-shirt time and like, you know, just not really putting any sort of attention into anything but the tips of their hair. And so he (laughs) felt this was a way for him to be able to sort of help revolutionize that Um, and if you notice throughout the series, they actually never, the men never wear
2: belts. I didn't notice that.
1: Yeah. And it's because the costume designer just hates belts.
2: Oh, okay. I was going to ask if it was because all of them would get their clothes tailored. No, it's, a, it's his fashion pet peeve.
1: And he just wow. says, No, this is not happening on my watch. Nobody is wearing
2: Not a belt in sight.
1: <laughs> and about. Serena's style is influenced by Kate Moss. And uh, Blair's style is uh, influenced by Audrey Hepburn, Audrey Hepburn and Anna
2: Wintour. Well, I thought that Blair's final outfit for the kiss on the lips party was so bad. <laughs> Like I thought that the dress that she tried on that her mom was like, and it does set up a dynamic that like Blair is very concerned about her image and like you know, there was a lot of underlying like body image issues that you know like played so much into like Blair's character. Um, especially with her mom like constantly critiquing her throughout the whole pilot about what she's wearing and wanting her to be the you know the the best marketing tool her fashion brand could buy but um she tried on that one dress with like this beautiful like dare I say belt of jewels that like hit right at the hips and then her mom was like why aren't you wearing the other one and then I was like well I can't wait to see what this other one is and from that scene in her bedroom to the limo scene she puts on like this horrible like taffeta dress and then puts a poof in her hair Jenny had a poof Jenny also, seems Jenny, so young in this. She seems whole very thing. young,
1: and she she suffers from what I call Julie Tayloritis, which is a character who is very, very likable at the beginning and then just descends into like horribleness. Mm -hmm. And so I always got, you know, upset watching this too, because I'm like, oh, but Jenny's kind of sweet. And I I liked her as like the supportive sister, like, you know, who was kind of the nice girl coming into the, the mean group and like how that could have affected things. Um, and also making Eric clearly attracted to Jenny in the first episode was very off-putting given the fact that we know that later Eric is gay. Yeah. Um, but Eric's hair, I'm also wondering what you, your thoughts are on that.
2: It's a lot blonder than I remember it. Like a lot blonder. But he ended up going dark, right? Yeah. I mean, they got rid of that, I think,
1: pretty quickly.
2: Uh, I would say like every was- every man's hair in this pilot was bad. I mean, Nate's was different every scene.
1: Uh, but- Dan's sideburns were da- just Dan's like basically bu-
2: down to his chest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Nate had his hair plastered to his head when he was at the restaurant with Blair, like after like they got into their fight and he told her what happened. Um it was plastered to his head and parted down the middle and it was so ugly i mean he just looked so unattractive the only time i think his hair looked okay is when his his dad and him went running in central park and his dad was like just buy her jewelry son and don't fuck this up for me but also i'm like he's 16 but sure buy her jewelry um yeah i thought eric's hair was a lot blonder than i remember i really liked eric in the pilot though like i you know, I, I kind of – I wish that he would have taken the the series regular role because he was a character that I always just thought was so good and rooted uh, unlike some of the others. Well,
1: he was an insider who was an outsider. Exactly. So, like, you know, unlike – Something like, you know, Serena, which whenever we see Serena, she's like on a balcony, which is like, you know, of course, like she is up, she is unreachable. She is, you know, up in the the stars and everyone else Skies, is down below. Yeah. And whereas like, you know, Eric really had this good position as, you know, he's never going to fit in. Because of what you know, who he is, and like, mm-hmm. but he always will have the money and the standing to be there, and so it, it does kind of make sense if he were Gossip Girl, because like he'd probably yeah. have this like you know tear it all down mentality, but um, but yeah, so I do think it was a missed opportunity that he didn't exist.
2: I'm sorry, I want to go back to something I can't drop from the beginning, and it goes back to Dan as Nair, as Gossip Girl when they're at the kiss on kiss on the lips party and Chuck just like saw Jenny and he goes over and starts like tickling her palm within seconds. And gossip girl says,
0: looks like little Jay might end up with a new boy and
2: a ticket to the inner circle. Or we'll see, end up with another victim. I
1: told you I love parties. Yes. I wanted to talk about (laughs) this too. He takes a little bit too much thrill, which that that implies that somebody texted gossip girl and said i see that chuck is going after jenny humphrey and he was like rather than i need to go to this party and save my sister he's like oh well gossip girl clearly wants to talk about this <laughs> it's
2: and, really troubling and claim his sister as a victim it's right so i mean she is 100 percent like a victim of assault but like it, i was like what are where are your priorities here <laughs>
1: <laughs> Again, it's another example of Dan just hoping to put labels on everybody around him in his life and make mm-hmm. himself the ultimate sympathetic character, even though at the end of the day, he is the exact opposite of that. And he's ruining lives left and right, even his own, yes. but he's ruining everyone's life. And 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 his reward for that at the end of the series is officially being in, which I can see the the irony of that, of like, you know oh, you're a piece of shit. Now you're finally one of us rich people. Like, mm-hmm. I get that. But at the same time, it it's so, it's so unsatisfying because it's not played that way. It's right. not played like you're a terrible person. Now you're finally an, an insider. It's played like we forgive you and you're actually – we're all really good friends. Right. And that's what so, bothered him too. And he would talk about the series, how unrealistic it was that they were all still friends after all this time. And 100%. so they had to act their way around this. Of like, like people these died people because never, of <laughs>
2: like these people would never continue
1: hanging out past never. the age of 18 years old.
2: Never. I mean, I would argue that they shouldn't be hanging out now based on some of the things that they've done to each other. But um, I will say that the, I would have wanted to go to this party when I was 15, 16, I would have been so upset if I hadn't gotten an invite. Um, and the fact that they were playing, like for you, it's the end song in the matrix. For me, it's the way I are by (laughs) Timbaland that, and, uh, don't matter by Akon, I think play within two to three minutes of each other. And I was like, oh, this is a lit party.
1: Well, I also, I do want to talk about this in in its place and time too. So, you know, obviously this was kind of mentioned already that this was uh, pre-mainstream social media, you know, so this was before you really could start tearing people apart on social media. And I love this quote that Kristen Bell gave to Vanity Fair, where she said that Schwartz and Savage were spearheading, what if the internet is just a place to judge people? What if that's what it turns into? And they turned out to be Nostradamus. And like, I think that that is definitely true that this sort of predicted this age of, you know, you can sort of, whether it's a lie, whether it's truth, what whatever it is, you can post something online and completely damage somebody's life. And mm-hmm. what I found to be fascinating about the time that this came out was that also these the celebrities themselves, Blake Lively, all of them, they were not really on social media, right? You, they, you couldn't see them on social media. So they were like right at the forefront of that. But their personal lives became the subject of gossip columns and, and these blogs and everything. So it's like life imitated art to the point where, you know, Blake Lively and Penn Badgley were dating. And when they were walking down the streets in New York, nobody knew whether they were actually filming or if they were actually on a date together but people would talk about it nonetheless.
2: And it also like caused so many, I would say it started such a cultural shift in like our obsession with, I mean, obviously we had the OC, we've had many shows before that have like looked at teenage lives, but like Gossip Girl, for example, like created the Bravo show NYC prep, Mm -hmm. which literally tried to take gossip girl and bring it into reality, not successfully, but it did. I mean, successful for me because I watched the full season then. And I also watched it like during quarantine when there was a full day marathon on Bravo. But I mean, it really tried to, and I think did start a, um, it put in motion our obsession with teenagers and their and the gossip in their lives and then kind of bled into just like celebrities in general but like there was all
1: this g- stuff too about you know the, the like and well nate and and um i mean chase crawford and ed westwick lived together by the way which in chelsea but there were all these rumors about like whether they were gay and then there was stuff about chase crawford dating jc shazay and so like suddenly they had to like fend off all these rumors about themselves that you know who knows if They likely were not true, but we don't know. Um, And that just became like sort of their their MO. And it's sort of implied that the series, like creators, writers, people behind the scenes were the ones sort of helping leak this out because it helped them. So all these stories about how... Leighton Meester, Blake Lively didn't get along, and all of that. You know, um, you even kind of see it in the reporting today where, like, Michelle Traschenberg will say, like, they got along fine; it's not a big deal. And then, you know, Joshua Safran, who's the eventual showrunner, kind of is like, oh, they tolerated each other, but they didn't like each other. And like even to this day, him being able, to, him talking about, it, he's like, he's fanning the flames and he's stirring the shit when he doesn't even have to anymore. But, um, but, but we yeah, still
2: care. We still oh, yeah. care. Oh yeah, totally there was one more plot hole that i i would not have caught my myself but people online caught it which was that chuck mentions his mom and offers up nate some of her antidepressants um but she's dead (laughs) and so there's like a lot of layers there that i'm just like oh man does he like keeping his dead mom's antidepressants around or did they not have his mom dead in the, like, to me, I'm like, okay, that was just like a bad, a bad moment in writing. They just it like
1: to me that they did not anticipate Chuck being a central character as they thought, like mm-hmm. if they were following the whole OC trajectory where he was the recipient of the welcome to the OC bitch, he's Luke, punch, he's Luke. And Luke is sort of there, but like, is not really that big of a character. Mm-hmm. So I think that the eventually, you know, the, the fandom and all that, ended up making him sort of replace Nate as a central character. And also because Nate is just honestly kind of a boring character. So boring. He's sweet and he's dumb, but like, that's it.
2: He never, yeah, I never really uh, understood the whole Nate thing. Yeah.
1: I don't, I, I I liked the concept of like Nate's family as this, like, I mean, his his dad kind of looks like Anthony Weiner and then eventually goes to jail. And so there is that whole element of, you know, what happens when a rich boy's family no longer is rich and when you're king of the world and then you're kind of brought down, but then we also don't really see the effects of that that much, you know, he kind of still stays popular. He's still friends with everybody. Um, you know, he's kind of dealing with more of his inner demons about his dad and he wants to be an ethical person, but his dad is clearly not ethical and never will be, but I would have enjoyed seeing more of, you know as Dan goes up in the world, Nate goes down in the world and how are they each coping with that given their backgrounds?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think they tried to make Nate edgier with his relationship with like the characters that come in later, like Vanessa or Georgina, but, it just never, it never worked. Like, I don't know if when he
1: gets the job as like a 20 year old as the head of a newspaper or whatever.
2: Yes, that's right. I hate in all of these shows, how people always end up in media publishing. Like they're always just like, uh, they're just publishers.
1: Yeah. But at least like when it, when it was Dan and Blair, when they went into like the magazine world, they were both interns. Like they kind of at least showcased them as like being like Entry point, entry. Employees, yeah, that, yes. Um, was still like way too much responsibility, but still entry employees. But but um, it
2: always lands. There's always a scene, and I can't actually tell you if there is a scene in Gossip Girl, but I'm sure there is where Nate is like, I had to do it for the story. Well, you
1: also have to keep in mind that like who's writing the episodes? Writers. Like you if you had like writers yeah, writing true. this, it would be a <gasps>
2: completely different plot line. Do you think Dan? cuz if he's if he's getting an internship do you think he told the the internship coordinator that i run the most successful gossip blog for teenagers
1: it'd be hard to resist putting that in your resume yeah it would like so i people... scaled i scaled a business is he getting is he getting like google ads is he getting like you know
2: what is he getting out of this i mean i know we don't want to spend a lot more time on it <laughs> but i could talk about how dan grew gossip girl into the site it became for conservatively another hour and a half because there's just a lot of questions that I think I wasn't smart enough to even think about when I was watching this. But when I was watching the pilot now at, you know, 28, having been in media for a few years, I have so many questions about it that I think is maybe the reason why uh, Penn Badgley doesn't want to talk about it because he doesn't have the answers.
1: Well, you know, this is the most illegally streamed show in China. I did not know that. (laughs) And of course we know that the HBO Max sequel is coming and the only person that they've asked back for that is Kristen Bell. Yeah. As Gossip Girl. Um, And I do think it's interesting that they never, that the only possibilities for Gossip Girl was a, was a man.
2: It is interesting. It almost feels a little obvious now. Like I would be interested if this show came out in 2020 We would all be like, they're trying to throw us off the scent by having her be a woman, like Kristen Bell play Gossip Girl. Mm -hmm. And it be a man. Like that feels very like, oh, we're going to get them. But like very, we're going to get them in 2007. 2020, I think people would see right through it and it wouldn't hold the same type of red herring value, you know?
1: Yeah. Like in order for it to be actually shocking this year, it'd have to be like, a character a,
2: AI. It would have to be AI. <laughs> like a character
1: from another show another in the same sh- universe or something like that. It's actually Ryan
2: Atwood. <laughs> Ryan. Oh, that oh, would be that a would be, shocker. That would be incredible. Okay, so now we are going to go through the five questions that we are asking after each pilot rewatch. So I guess this first question for you is not like as exciting because you just watched this over again but how well did you remember the pilot
1: um extraordinarily well
2: (laughs) it was like two months fresh yeah it was the
1: only the only part that i didn't remember is like i mentioned that um uh rufus and lily had like a little bit of like a strained relationship at the beginning
2: i didn't remember it well at all except there were moments that like I think have just become so culturally iconic, whether through like GIFs or memes that I remembered, like like I've seen them every day for the, my entire life. Um, but there was a lot that I didn't recall and specifically just like how dated it felt. But I guess when I was in it in 2007, I probably, I f- I probably felt seen. <laughs> I don't think I watched Gossip Girl like openly because I felt like it was too risque. So I, cause I was in high school. I was um, a sophomore in high school, so I think I was like, I didn't want my parents to know I was watching Gossip Girl, so I would watch it on my computer when it would hit the CW's website, um, which is crazy because I I would watch so many more like scandalous things, but
1: for some reason…
2: I don't know. Like, I grew up watching Charmed, which is, like, so sexually charged. <laughs> is Charmed sexually charged? Yeah. Really? They are, like the, – it's, like, the horniest show on TV.
1: I don't remember that. I watched the whole thing. I don't remember that.
2: It is – they are always horny. It's – flip it on TNT every morning, you'll,
1: you'll What's see. What's the first thing that you watched that you felt like, I shouldn't be watching this right now? Because it's too – I I mean – Sex-focused.
2: I can't remember. There's certainly things. I mean, like I'm an only child, so like I was always watching what my parents were watching. But I can't recall. How about you? Do you remember?
1: Um, I and I remember a movie called The Cutting Edge in which there's a sex scene. I, I checked recently. Is that the ice skating movie? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's PG. I think it's either PG or PG 13. So it's, and if it's PG 13, I think it's a very light, but I oh. remember just sitting there and there was a scene where they're, they, I, I think the implication is sex, yes. but it's not.
2: Well, that's exactly what this whole show is too. The yeah. implication. And, and I that,
1: was just like, and of course, like we know, like Gossip Girl, like the whole, like their marketing campaign became like everyone's yes. touching their pearls around this show.
2: So when were you like the happiest and the saddest throughout the episode? I was I definitely happiest when "Don't Matter" came on by Akon. The party. Oh, I think was, it was music uh,
1: too for me. Like, yeah, Amy, the music was great. Amy Winehouse. Back to black. Yeah, back to black. Like that took me back because this was before she died, and so it's like, oh, Amy Winehouse, like the back when we thought you know she had a lot of years left. Um, but so that made me happy. But I wouldn't say like anything in the plot. Oh well, a truffled grilled cheese sandwich makes me happy.
2: A truffle grilled cheese. Did he make it? No, the chef made it. Oh, he did. Okay. I just remember him yelling at the chef to leave. Oh God. Also like, remember, I don't want to like bring, I guess another moment I'm sad is the whole Chuck of it and Nate's hair. But like when Chuck like watches them at the bar, Serena and Nate, it's just so creepy. Well,
1: he was always that creepy. Like that, honestly, like that, that tracked Through his character, the rest of the series. Like he definitely would have.
2: But then I will say the Chuck stuff made me the most sad.
1: I have a friend who stars as one of the women in bed with Chuck in a future episode. Yeah, she doesn't have any line. Or if she has a line, it's like a throwaway line. But it's like her and another girl in bed with Chuck. I think it's in the first season.
2: Wait, wait. I watched episode two and I think that there are two women in – it might I'll have been episode two.
1: Yeah, I think it was very early on that she was in it.
2: So do you said it previously that you don't think that this sets up the series for its full trajectory.
1: Yeah, so that's the next question, right? Does it set up the series? Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't, I, I don't actually think that it does a great job projecting just how fun the show becomes. It does, to me, it is a little serious and it is, it is very melodramatic. And, and I think that's what hooks people. But, um, you know, like you have some lightheartedness in the scenes with Dan and everything, but I, I think that it gets so much better as time goes on. And there's so much more a sense of humor and Blair, I feel like Blair barely blips in this. Like I, she's there but she's not like a notable character and Mm -hmm. she just takes off with the series. Like it is hers after, you know, by the time we get to the end of the first season it's very clear that this is a story of Blair, even though they try to make it the story of Serena and Dan.
2: I, I agree with that. I think that it does do a good job of setting it up though. Um, I mean, pilots are just so hard. It's so hard to like get everything in there. Um, But I thought that like everyone seemed pretty, true to their aim but except for chuck who again like we've talked about goes through like quite the redemption arc throughout the rest of the series um but even it, you know, it sets up like the Chuck and Blair of it all with like when um, Serena and Dan leave the party and he comes up behind Blair and like they have a little bit of a moment while Nate is like around the corner drinking a Heineken, like the boring person he is. <laughs> but, By the way, um, did
1: you like eventually Dan and Blair together? Because I actually did like that. Yes,
2: I liked them too, but I always like the like the people who will never, it'll never happen, but it's like fun for a season. Even like Joey and Rachel? No, but I also don't like Friends. Um, Okay. So, but assuming that you did watch this and you weren't intending on doing like a full binge back in two months ago, would you keep watching this pilot if you had watched it as just like a viewer? Yeah, definitely. 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 I would a hundred percent. I mean, I'm going to probably do it now in my normal life cause I'm hooked. Um, and then the last question that we're going to ask for every show, uh, was it more entertaining than the OC? <laughs> no,
1: I, I think it's, it's sort of like, a, it's an imitation. It's like a, like a sexier imitation. It is like a more dastardly imitation, a darker imitation, but I think you still can't get better than like, like, everything is like slightly worse, right? Like the parents, I love Lily. I agree with you on that, but like there's that's, they're slightly worse than, I mean, I guess it's just Sandy Cohen is just the best parent that's ever existed on TV. So
2: I disagree. I think that I liked this better than the OC. What? I, I do. I just do. I've always been somebody who's leaned New York based, like for all of my franchises, um, teen shows included. And I think that like the OC I find, I find it took a little, it takes a little bit for me to get into the OC.
1: What I will say is if we're comparing the, the entirety of the series gossip girl probably wins. It's better for longer. Like, whereas like OC is one of those shows. where like, just end this already, please. But season one to season one, I still will take OC any day.
2: I'm such an awful fan and also like entertainment editor. Cause I love the season four of the OC and we can get into that when we do the pilot for it, but I that is loved warped. it. That is it's warped. not warped. It's not warped. It's it's somebody who's able to take a step back and see, see things as a full picture. Life doesn't always go the way you want it to independent thinker. I, yeah, that's what I, and a, full of hot takes, but um, <laughs> I, I definitely would say that I think gossip girl this was more entertaining than the OC. Personally, I love the OC. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, but the music—oh my god! Like that is where I would have to put them. Like they are neck and neck when it comes to music. Well, I guess that's it for Gossip Girl. We're gonna take a a sharp turn into some situational comedy for our next episode. Into the, the in New the York, pop- though. We're keeping in New York a uh, lot of bar talk. We're going to keep, you know, hanging out in a bar. Uh, but we're going to watch How I Met Your Mother, the pilot of How I Met Your Mother, uh, which I can't wait for.
1: Yeah, which is another show that has a big mystery surrounding it the entire time.
2: Yes, and we're all you... about whose who identity reveals.
1: <laughs> who is the identity of the person, and how much is it going to disappoint you? <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah, I totally forgot who the mother was. So it just says... Oh, I mean,
1: I have a, I have a story about how I met your mother, so... Wow, wow. Well, I can't wait to find out. Hopefully it doesn't out. take me
2: 10 seasons to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, until next time, I will close with these iconic words.
0: Serena making a heroic exit from Bee's party. Too bad for her there's school on Monday. So until next time, you know you love me. Gossip Girl.